Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness, and opportunity in VFX, animation, and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation, and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode four of the Access VFX podcast. On each episode, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them a range of questions from the AVFX vault. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects, animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry. And we ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Suraj Harrington Odedra, Head of CG at UNIT. We spoke with Suraj, or Sid as he is better known, a week after he was part of an excellent panel at our first post-pandemic in-person event where we launched the mighty XVFX. I had such a great conversation with Sid, from his inspirations to love, death and robots, his work as a VFX supervisor, and we couldn't have a chat with Sid without discussing the Chemical Brothers. We hope you enjoy episode four of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode four. It's me, Simon, and I'm joined today by an award-winning visual effects artist. I have done my research on the, on the internet. Uh, a go-to Access VFX panelist, a I'm going to say fine ukulele player, and currently the head of CG unit, an all-round lovely human being. It's Siraj Harrington Odedra, otherwise known as Sid. Welcome. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much for having me. This is really nice. It's really nice to, to be on board with you guys again. A week ago, we had our XVFX launch. How have you been in the last week since we saw you? And uh, how did you find the event? Oh, the event was wonderful. Like, it's always lovely doing doing those kinds of things. I when I you know when I was a student, I always really appreciate. When I was like like even a junior, I always really appreciated when people took their time out to do panels like this, and they were always really insightful. So it's just nice to it's nice to be in a position now where I can give something back and talk about my experiences and maybe offer some helpful advice <laughs> brilliant well that's what this is for which is which is good you're in the right place and uh, yeah i mentioned in uh, my short intro that you are you're our go-to access vfx panelist and the only reason i mentioned that is it was great having you at the x event last week because it was very much even though we had launched xvfx digitally during the kind of the heights and peak of lockdown last summer but yeah this was uh yeah we, this was our first in-person event and uh yeah, we also had you uh, part of our QVFX launch uh, the year before as well. So uh, you've been a valued member of uh, the XVFX community, Sid, for sure. Oh, well, hopefully I'll continue to be a helpful member. Well, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's see how we how we fare at the end of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, but good yeah. to have you on, man. And uh, you know, we met uh, many years ago uh, during my, my, our respective time at the mill. So pre pre unit and pre access and pre what we're doing now. So uh, we had a, we had a good old time when we we launched Access VFX uh, during the uh, twenty I say soft launch twenty sixteen and official launch in twenty seventeen. Yeah, I remember way back when we're doing all these events up in the the loft at the mill. Indeed, yes, fun times and less shared grey hair on this uh, this call. Good job. This is audio, not, not visual <laughs> podcast. Although we we look we look sage and uh, distinguished now, which is which is a good thing. 
So I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie, I am old. <laughs> with me now, you're in, you're in good company, so you're in good company. So, so the uh, the podcast, yeah. So we changed it up, as as you know. So we're well into the podcast season now. We're on episode four, and um, what we're doing is we're kind of opening what calling the Access VFX Vault. One day, I keep teasing this out. Hopefully, Tom, who produces the uh, the podcast, will create us a nice uh, soundbite, a nice creaking vault door as we open the the Access VFX Vault. First question is, where are you from? To where you at? I always find this a tricky question. It's like when someone asks me where I'm from, I'm like, but what do you, which bit? So I'm, I was born in Northampton and grew up in Northern Kings. My parents are both Indian, but they were born in Africa. All right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's all a bit weird and complicated, but yeah, I'm of, I'd say that like I'm British Indian. I think that's, that's, that's the item on the drop down list that I would select. Nothing wrong with an eclectic mix of locations and geographical locations. And you're currently at UNIT, fairly recently UNIT as head of CG. Yes, that's right. So I joined, I joined UNIT back in April this year, 2021, to be the head of 3D, head of CG, in fact. So I've been, yeah, I've been there for like eight old months now. And it's, it's, it's a different set of challenges. So like, you know, by the end of my career at the mill, I was, I was kind of supervising projects and just quoting jobs and reading scripts and organising the overall landscape of how a job would be. Now I feel like I have to do that also be on the box and do some work which I like doing mm. and also manage a bunch of other spinning plates <laughs> so there's like there's just there's just a bit more added responsibility I think it's like kind of like my old job but with yeah. a load more responsibility and also kind of doing it for a smaller company as well which means you just have to be a bit more hands-on and do a bit of everything which is yeah. exactly what I like doing. What have been the differences between moving from job to job supervising commercial work and music videos and all the good stuff you did at the mill? to leading a team but still doing all of that stuff as well i think the main difference is that you have to you have to step back and take a look at the bigger picture the department and a team of people so you kind of have to go right these are these are kind of where the pain points at the moment and they can be it could be like technical pain points that are like things to do with like your pipeline or the hard, like hardware or you know dealing with our render farm or just stuff like that or it can be like people problems like right well you know we really struggled doing this job because we lacked the experience or we lacked like this particular skill set and so, yeah it's much more about stepping stepping back and just yeah looking ways that you can do things better moving forward i love that yeah so continually improving things and yeah i love the idea of just like that helicopter view of the whole the whole piece yeah 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 exactly that Brilliant. Well, congratulations on the move to unit. Like I say, early day. Probably doesn't feel like early days, eight months in, but I'm sure it's, uh, yeah, lots of exciting stuff ahead. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so I've opened the vault and the first question, Sid, is one of my, one of my favourites, or the second question, dare I say, we've already opened the vault, is the three words that describe you. So classic interview question, but again, been interpreted in lots of different ways on the podcast so far. So I'd love to hear your take on that. I think this is going to be a common theme like because i yeah i listen to ginger and you like a number it's like i've described the best thing one thing yeah i feel like i'm more than three things so this is going to be difficult okay uh i'd probably say like i'm i'm that's two words not shy what's the opposite of shy um confident no or... i don't, don't use that word <laughs> how about how about gregarious is that oh, a good like word that. that's good there you go yeah. fairly i'd say yeah gregarious that's a great word <laughs> i press myself with that one 
<laughs> I mean, I could say, I don't know, I could say passionate, but I think, you know, passionate about my job, my work, the artistry of everything that we do. But to be honest, I think that's a, it's not a brilliant answer because I think anyone who gets into this industry is passionate. You don't just fall into it and go, oh, well, I'll yeah. try doing that for a couple of years. <laughs> like most people who really, most people who are in VFX bloody love it. They do it because they enjoy yeah. it, right? So not passionate. I'm not going to use that. <laughs> no, we'll take it as a given that you're passionate then. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a default, isn't it? Curious. And if I'm going to be honest, today I'm really hungover. <laughs> we had a, like a scaled that. back work Christmas do yesterday, so Amazing. Oh, I'm struggling through my day for that. So well, I, I, I love that this full disclosure early on in the uh, <laughs> the interview. That yeah, so we've got gregarious, curious, and hungover. That could be my favourite one so far. I like your take on passionate, because I mean, we've both done uh, various careers events over the years. Whether it be the VFX Festival, I mean, you've been all over the world, particularly with the work. You know, you know the recent what you did at the Mill as well, and. We always talk about passion, don't we? When, when, when you're asked to give advice, it's like, be passionate, show passion, demonstrate passion. Any art-based career, be it like music or yeah, like yeah. something visual, or even mm. like, I would argue cooking, <laughs> like being a yeah. chef is kind of a form of artistry. Mm. And people who do these things, they do it because they love them. That's funny you say that because the preceding episode to this one is with Alwyn Hunt from The Rookies. And he used to be like a super duper, high-end chef you know making those kind of cakes with all the you know the bells and whistles and and he said exactly the same thing you know he came from that background before he got into the industry and it was the same discipline in many ways you know it's about just creating something that looks incredible and and it's beautiful and artistic and mm -hmm. people don't eat commercials and tv and tv shows and films but you know they do it metaphorically eat them up you know Moving on from the three words question, what inspires you, Sid? What, I keep saying on all the podcasts, what gets you out of bed in the morning and raring to go? What, what inspires you? The thing that I find really exciting about VFX work is the moment that you have to sort of translate something from a script onto screen. There has to be like a layer of interpretation that you put in there. That's always the most fun thing for me to do. I love doing that. Like that, yeah. that is the sort of thing that will get me out of bed in the morning. My favorite thing to do is to pitch on work because mm -hmm. you have like, because you'll, you'll get a like given a really rough script of something and they're like, we have no idea what this should look like. Wow. But we think maybe something like this, here's a couple of bits that we like, we don't know. And that is like, that's just the most exciting thing ever because you have to put yourself into it and go, right, well, in, the case, in my case, like, you know, I work in advertising primarily. You have to be aware of the brand you, and you kind of have to be aware of the body of work from the director because ultimately you're pitching it to that director and you need to yeah. figure out what their style is. And you also have to figure out, you know, what's appropriate for that brand. You look at previous examples of their, <clears throat> of their work and you kind of just have to mash together your ideas and go, right, I think this is what yeah. it should look like. That's really fun work. It's sometimes you get these kinds of briefs where they're like, you know, we've got no idea. This no one's ever tried doing anything mm. like this before. And those are the best ones. I can think of two examples where we've had scripts like that. And it's been just the most incredible journey. Moving on to the next question. There's a knock on the door. And hey, look, aliens have landed. Oh, my God, here they are. And they're, they're asking you what you do, what you do for a living. How do you explain to your these extraterrestrials, what, what uh, Siraj Harrington Odedra does 
Oh, this is a bizarre question. It really is. Uh, I would say that I make I make these pitches that move that people think are pretty and they might end up buying a particular product as a result of looking at these moving <laughs> pitches. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether the aliens would accept that or not, but I think that's that's fair. I think that's a fair, fair answer for sure. So what did you want to be when you grew, you grew up, Sid? So going back, uh, so now we're going back in time to uh, your your young years, your your youth. And yeah, what did you want to be when you were, as early as you can remember, what was the career aspiration? Do you know what? I just, I just had a flashback. I remember my parents, my parents asked me once when I was like five, what I wanted to be or something. And I really proudly declared that I wanted to be a bank manager. And that just, that stuck. I don't know why, but my parents absolutely ripped it out of me for absolutely ages after that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was really young. That was a, a silly, a silly answer. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. I love uh, that. But I guess like when I was a teenager and like, you know, careers were a viable option. I, I was really into games. Bloody loved the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo 64 as well. So it's like, just, I felt this affinity for gaming and games. And so yeah. I always just thought, prob- and I, was, I kind of, I was into graphics and I was playing with Photoshop from like quite a young yeah. age, I guess. Uh, felt like games were sort of the right thing to do. It was only when I was 17 and I was flicking through a university perspective that I realised, oh wait, hang on, I could study 3D animation for like film and TV and advertising. And I, my mind was just completely blown. Like, I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was a viable career choice. But then it just sort of hit me, oh yeah, like people do that as a job. And it, that just, it just clicked and from that point forward. I was like, yeah, no, that's exactly what I want to do. But I just, I didn't know any of you. Nobody on this podcast has said, you know, when I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be a 3D artist or a 2D artist or a visual effects producer. You go on that kind of arc of finding out stuff. And I remember playing video games as a kid and we all talked about the graphics. I remember it was like, mm. oh, it's got good graphics. You know, the game got yeah. good graphics. Nobody really talks about that now because it all looks incredible, doesn't it? But back then it was all about, wow, graphics are amazing. And actually that 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 kind of journey you went on from that to that, that university perspective and going, wait a minute, there's this whole world, this creative career that, you know, I didn't know about. Or, or you might have had an idea about, but didn't know how deep it went maybe at the time. Yeah, I didn't at all. And like, this was back when I was 17, the year 2000. Back then, you know, there weren't a lot of movies that had VFX in them, certainly like barely any advertising or all music videos. There were a few, but mm. it was extraordinarily expensive at that point. Mm. Yeah. And, and there wasn't a lot of transparency. Like these days, everyone knows about VFX. It's in every movie. Back in the days of DVDs, your DVD extras would be like behind the mm. scenes stuff and how we made this. Here's the previs. And now, you know, with YouTube, there's like all kinds of content out there about you know behind the scenes stuff and so i think the current generation are very aware of vfx and i think feel like now they're more aware that it is a viable career i, I should also apologize because we're not the same generation i was not 17 in the year 2000 so my apologies sid i'm very much older than you <laughs> but yeah the great answer man thank you so we touched we've touched on university already so what made you choose the the university that you went to and obviously you mentioned the prospectus you looked at but you know, what was the what was the driving force behind the, the choice that you made? Honestly, because they accepted me. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that would have you. I made some terrible choices for my A-levels. I studied 
sociology, biology, and math. And because I sort of, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought, well, I, yeah, I wasn't sure. So I knew that wouldn't let me in because I didn't have, I think I, I think needed art. So Swansea accepted me and I, I got enough points. And so I went there and it was looking back, I think it was exactly the right thing to have done. I absolutely love my time there. And I met some incredible people who I'm still in touch with today. Again, we're talking a lot about moments today, aren't we, Sid? But what was the moment? What was the break? And how did you get into industry? After, after I did university, I applied to Escape Studios. They were doing, like, Escape at the time, I, I felt like it was prohibitively expensive because, you know, they are, and they're worth every penny. But yeah. I, I didn't have the money in order to, to study there. I would love to have mm -hmm. done it, but I knew that I couldn't. But just after I graduated, they offered um, a course that they called the VFX production grade course, which is a five month course funded by the National Lottery <laughs> because they wanted you to come in and to be in London whilst you were studying. They were like, well, we kind of want to open it up to anyone in the country and we don't want cost of living in London to be a factor that makes them say no. They paid everyone on the course minimum wage so that we could all attend. Like we could move from wherever we were in the country, we could move to London, study there for five months. And, and again, the course was offered for free. <laughs> because it was funded by the National Lottery. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a very hard course to get on because mm -hmm. they, had, they had applicants from all over Europe. So I think they ended up saying that they had over 200 applicants. And they, we had to go in and do tests as well. There was a testing day. And they selected 15 applicants. And I was wow. one of them. So I was there for five months. And it was called the VFX Production Grade Course. And what they ended up doing was setting five modules over those five months, a one month module, and each module was set by a different post house in Soho. So there was like projects from Cinesite, Framestore, MPC, The Mill, and Double Negative. I always wanted to work for The Mill. <laughs> when I was in university, I was a huge, huge fan of their work. Um, and I, I really wanted to work in advertising as well, because I like the, the duration of the project. Mm. So we all have to do projects for these, these big post houses. They'd set the project, they came up with a brief, and then they'd come in and assess us at the end. And my team won the mill project, so it very much put me on their radar. Amazing. Uh, and so once I graduated from Escape, I got a phone call from them and they were like, do you want to come in and help us out? Of course, Amazing. I jumped at it. I was thrilled. And the, and the rest is history. Yeah. I love That's great. And I, I remember uh, you know, during my time in the mill, when we used to talk about particularly working uh, either in production or, or on the creative side in advertising is, like you say, the... The, the, the duration of projects you know the idea that you know you could be mm. you know, it's not like film where it is such a long a long project you know you could be working on the same shot for very a very long time whereas uh, is it right to i guess assume that you know you've got that you know maybe three four months on a job and on to the next one it could be a completely different project completely different setup brief director yeah absolutely it's exactly that i mean you know most projects in in 3d will last anything between two weeks i think the longest project that i've done was five months okay but i think yeah it's like the the median sort of time is around six to eight weeks probably mm -hmm. for most projects and and yeah i just i like that you kind of just do something you yeah smash it out it has to be of a really high quality and then you just move on to the next thing so it's not like you don't have to burden yourself with like you know will these assets work in all these different environments and these situations we need to change the rig so that we can do this particular pose for that shot there or it's like right just get in there do it just smash it out and make it look pretty and you're done yeah. and that's exactly how i like working it's just like yeah. go 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 on to the next one it's just that yeah it's just like my silly 
ADHD nature, I guess. Working on so many projects over you know, a good chunk of time, I mean, you must have learned an insane amount, both technically, creatively, in terms of you as a person, you know? Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's just a byproduct of being in the VFX industry. Like everything in everything here sort of moves very, very quickly. And there's always new technologies to get out there and play with, incorporate into your work and your pipelines. And yeah, it's even like something that's been around for as long as like, you know, Houdini, every year it's like, they just go, right. And here's like a bunch of other tools that we thought would be really helpful for people working in VFX. And so you just sit there and learn how to use all this stuff. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's constantly evolving. So you're, you're constantly learning. You're constantly having to learn. It's great. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I love that. It's almost like uh, all two parallels, isn't it? Working in, together at the same time, you've got the industry that's moving forward all the time. And then as an artist, you have to roll with the punches and, and, and evolve in tandem. So I, I think that's a great, great way to kind of pitch it. And I just love that. I love what you just spoke about around, uh, you know, your journey, because it must have been pretty stressful getting on the escape course. I mean, those odds were pretty, pretty slim. So congratulations on getting through <laughs> through that. And then, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to have the ambition to work at the mill and then, you know, delivering on that and then and, and getting the gig. I mean, it's almost uh, serendipitous. Is that the right word? I, I'm not, another yeah. good word. I know I'm knocking them out of the park today. So. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's great just to hear that narrative, that story. I think it's, it's great. I love it. So I'm going to keep them going. So we've got quite a lot of questions to go through. So that was the big break. So we're going to move a bit into what I keep calling kind of like the geeky section now. And I was going to ask you what your favourite project or job has been to date. If you could pick one, what would it be and why? I think this is going to be the question where I am able to give you just one answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone who knows me will know exactly what's coming. There was a job that we did back. Oh, God, I can't remember what it was. Was it 2014? I think it was yeah, sometime around then. A music video for the Chemical Brothers, yeah. yeah, called Wide Open, and it was like I was saying before, this is one of those jobs that just took it just took us on this journey that no one was expecting. No one had ever done anything like that before, so it was just this huge, huge learning opportunity. I I remember hearing when I first heard about it. I was talking to my head of 3D and the guy who was going to be heading up the project, David Fleet. We were in the pub and he told me about it and I was just like, I'm doing this. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> I, was doing a, I was doing a project for Sky at the time and it was kind of coming to an, a close, but it was the first time when the schedulers told me this afterwards, it was the first time that an artist had just scheduled themselves off of a job and put themselves on something else. <laughs> Amazing. I was just like 100 I just I knew I had to do it I was like I want to do this I was a huge fan of the chemical products growing up yeah and their videos were just absolutely incredible yeah. I knew that this was going to be something just incredible but it was significantly harder than any project I feel like I've ever done again because we were traveling it was a journey into the unknown <laughs> like I think it's the most misquoted job we've ever done. As in like, you know, at the beginning of a project, you quote it and go, I think it's going to take this much artist time, this yeah. and we'll have to do that. It was, it was way harder than we all thought. There are so many yeah. things that we got caught out because it had just never been done. And actually my favorite, my favorite moment throughout that entire job was when we released it, went out just in the new year, just after Christmas. And we had, we were getting messages from, people at other post houses going, 
we're taking bets. How did you do this? We have no idea how he managed to do this. Like no one knew. It was like we just pulled this incredible magic trick and we were just kind of stacking back going, we're just basking in it for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it was was the best feeling ever. And then we released it behind the scenes and then everyone everyone got to see. It was amazing. Really fun job. Amazing. That's a great, great example. And I was hoping it would come up. I, I didn't know. I, I didn't want to mention it too early. I'm glad we, we, we had, had that quick conversation around the chemical brothers. I'm sure it will come up again. Um, so this might go hand in hand with your favourite job, potentially. But what was the, the ch- most challenging job that you remember working on? This, in my mind, this is almost the same question as the last question. Yeah. Ch- for me, anyway, like I, the challenging jobs are the fun ones. It's where you go mm. in and learn something that you completely weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't want to say chemical products again. That would be a bit of a cop-out. So there was a project that we did for Sky called Fluid Viewing, where there was like a, a TV, like a, you know, someone watching a, a TV in a lounge, and then the screen would explode into liquid, bounce around a house, and then ultimately end up in a different room in the house. And that, that was challenging for a number of different reasons. So again, that was that was another job where we read the script and we were like, what the hell should this look like? And like <laughs> how do you make something like this look look pretty, but still and, and also get the message across? And we, you know, we went out and did loads of visual research. We just like trying to find references on the internet or just like uh, stills or you know, people who had painted artworks, previous works, you know, in film and anywhere, and we couldn't find anything. We're like, what happens when a screen, an LED screen, LCD screen turns into liquid? So we spent, I think, at the beginning of the job, we spent about three months just researching and just trying stuff out, making fluid simulations that we could really carefully artistically direct. And by the end of the job, it was the pipeline that we had on that was absolutely incredible. So we would be able to do these liquid simulations and then actually paint textures onto the liquids that sort of stuck through throughout the shop. So you could go in and just like in Mari, just go in and paint textures on like a blobby weird liquid and it would all stick. But yeah, doing the visual research part of that was like, it was challenging because we had no idea <laughs> what yeah. it needed to look like. And so just that, that research part was so much fun, really good. And then the job, yeah, the team, the team on that job was enormous. Yeah, um, yeah. And, Everyone did. Yeah, everyone did an incredible, incredible job on that. Shout out to the lead on that one, Francois Rosin. Yeah, lovely bloke and a very, very good artist. Wow, brilliant. I love that. And I, I, yeah, I do. I remember that, Joe. I remember watching, uh, I can't remember who did the member of the team did the breakdown in one of the, the careers events we did. But I remember it feeling like something, re- again, re- going back to Chemical Brothers in many ways, something really new and really exciting. And it's the, mm. a new technique had been adopted and I just felt yeah but it was incredible and mind-blowing i felt like i was watching a science documentary when when we, we we showed that to the students but yeah two two really strong examples Sid. thank you so you know on the back of we shouted out a few folks already which is always great i love i love a, a bunch of shout outs on the podcast is who is your who's your hero and when i say hero who is your industry hero or visual effects hero you know who do who do you hold in in high regard like that do you mean like people that i know personally or just and, like no, really, no. It, it's a funny one. It's kind of like, it's almost how you interpret it. So the question is, who is your VFX hero? So some folks uh-huh. have kind of said that it's a, a director they admire going back, you know, decades. Or it could mm. be somebody that you've worked with and you just massively admire them. 
aspire to get to their to their level so it's completely open brief really going back to what inspires you a nice a nice vague brief for you to to uh, adopt your curiosity and, and passion like i've worked i've worked with incredible like leads on on sequences and, and commercials um but then i've i've also been in a position where i've been lead and i've just worked with an absolutely incredible team and like sometimes you know it's the juniors that end up being complete heroes on project i can think of a couple of examples bethan williams and adam Suleiman. and the reason why is because they would just you'd throw them a huge challenge and they'd just be like right i'd better get on with it then and just hop off and be like right i'll just mm. I'll chip away at this problem and try and figure something out and come back to you a little bit later. And it's like, I've just given you a giant, giant task to deal with and you're just dealing with it like an absolute hero. It's like, yeah, like having having those kinds of people on your team, I think is just, it, 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 it's so nice. It makes, it, it just makes, it makes you relax a little bit more. It's like, oh, I don't need to worry about that. Bethan's on it or Adam's on it or whoever. So I think, yeah, they can come in all shapes and sizes. So I think, all right. so. There, there are two people that I think of whenever I'm in a really tricky situation I always think right what would this person or this person do so I think those two people are David Fleet and the other person would be Aman Akram they were rocks mm. <laughs> during my time the mill it's like I always knew that I could go to them if I had an issue and I know that they'd be able to find a solution or give me some advice that would help and yeah they were both brilliant brilliant Brilliant. Well, thank you, David yeah. and Amon. And uh, yeah, shout out to Beth and Adam because their they're names <laughs> I know well. And and Adam actually came through the apprenticeship program as well with oh, an incredible, yeah. incredible body of work when 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 I was when I was at the mill. And yeah, somebody we should probably get on the, on the podcast, including Bethan as well. I mean, Bethan was an incredible artist too. So yeah, thank you for shouting out. Yeah, a nice mixture there of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah varying levels of, of seniority. But yeah, I think there's something to be said about being inspired by people coming up through the ranks and and just starting out because mm. i love the i mean i'm a big advocate of the idea of reverse mentoring and the idea is you can get probably more from somebody who's just come in as a runner with huge amount of potential mm. versus somebody who's like a you know a founder of a of a huge post house as well it's a different kind of inspiration but i think uh, there's a lot in there for sure and thank you for for name checking them because they, they 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 all deserve it so keeping the uh, the geeky bit going so we've, we've done kind of vfx heroes what's the best shot you've ever seen it would be and there's a particular episode of love death and robots called the witness where this like, woman who witnesses a murder and this tower block opposite her yeah, yeah and then it's just that. like this epic chase that happens through a city um but the visual styling of that episode was something else but i think it's one of the most beautiful bits of animation that i think i've ever seen it was just so fresh and the way that they mixed in like painted over 2d elements to like exaggerate certain things or exaggerate certain moments was Mm. it was just incredible really good oh there's some great great shout outs there i mean yeah that that, i remember seeing that episode why it was season one of love death and robots wasn't i think the first i'm sure it was quite almost the first episode in the first season and but I've been obsessed with that show ever since. And yeah, it's that's an incre- incredible piece of work. So yeah, the next should. question kind of crosses over a bit with with the shot, and this is more about what you what you consider the pinnacle of the art form. So what is the uh, the show or the piece of work, the series, the film, the commercial, whatever it is that stands out as the absolute thing to aspire to? 
picking one, I feel like I'm discrediting everything else. So I think I think the right choice here would be to say Love, Death and Robots as a series, because every episode is just, it has a completely different visual style. Some of it's like, you know, 2D cell animation. Some of it's like, you know, they're going for photorealism. Some of it's like live action composited with some CG. As a, as a body of work, I think it's probably one of my favorite things that I've seen because I, I love the variation. And I think that's that's kind of a bit of a theme with me. Like, and that's, you know, it's the reason I'm in advertising because I get to do so many different kinds of work, like from yeah. month to month. I get to do different disciplines. So lighting or pipelining or coding or simulating stuff. I, I like variation. So I feel like Love, Death and Robots as a body of work. Yeah. Is, I think that's I, fair. Yeah. <laughs> Best character design. That is a very broad question. I think as a movie, in terms of character, just, just character design, Into the Spider-Verse, it was just something else. Seeing that on a big screen for the first time was just, it completely blew me away. Brilliant story, really fun and funny. And the way, again, like, yeah, they mixed like lots of 2D style animation yeah. techniques and also like, comp like a half-tone patterning and the way that they, they dealt with stuff yeah. like Okay, and bits being out of focus, like even the half tone pattern, that was just brilliant. Anyway, sorry, this is my character, oh, isn't it? Good, good shout yeah. out, though. Yeah, that was and great. Yeah, the, the characters I thought were just, yeah, flawless, absolutely flawless characters. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that as an answer, but I'll yeah, sure. mention to uh, Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. I think uh, okay. it was, I, I loved it. <laughs> the character, yeah, is it played by Bill Knight? Bill Knight? Yeah, yeah, I believe so, yeah. I thought the design of the character was just incredible. And I genuinely feel like it was the first time that I I went to the cinema and I, I saw like a completely believable digital character. Like Gollum was really, really incredible. And I think a lot of people would cite him as the first fully digital character. And then I guess like Dobby as well, but I didn't, yeah. I, eyes in Davy Jones were just couldn't believe it. Perfect. It felt like they yeah. captured Bill Nye's performance just perfectly. And it just, it didn't feel, yeah, David Jones, he just didn't feel like a digital character. It felt so tangible and real. Like, loved him. That's yeah, great show. fun, but terrifying. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt. And yeah, I think Spider-Verse is a very good shout as well. I mean, seeing that at the cinema, I took my little boy to see it and just remember watching mm. it, going, just thinking, this, I'm watching something new. I feel I'm watching something that's not been done like this before it felt yeah, it was absolutely. fresh out of the stocks and the colors and it yeah. just yeah it was amazing brilliant thank you for leaning into that that's kind of our the midsection which is the, the geeky bit now i want to kind of get into slightly quick quick fire kind of tail end of the podcast which is all around advice and and learnings and diversity and inclusion we're going to kick off with the best piece of advice you've ever received so what what do you still carry with you to date finished is better than perfect that's like I think I need to, I need to remind myself of that because like, if I ever do any personal work or if I try, if I make just like, if I do an experiment or something like that, I will mm. sit there and I will think, I could think with it for weeks. Instead, I'm just yeah. like, no, this is done now. <laughs> Move on and do something else. And it sort of does, you have to apply that mm. to working professionally as well. Like when you do actual projects, you can't sit there and focus and just tweak and tweak and tweak and do these like little 1% improvements when you know you've got like 12 other shots that need 50 yeah. percent improvement it's just like right draw a line move on 
do something else. And it really speaks to what you said earlier around just the evolving nature of the industry. Like you can't just deliver the thing and learn from that and take that learning onto the next job. This is what the question we call the imposter syndrome question. Uh, have you ever felt out of your depth or that you felt that you were faking it till you, till you made it or make, make it? Absolutely. Like I, I still get that. I get it all the time. It's just something that is very, very, very difficult to shake off. I always, I feel like I feel it more at the beginning of a project when you kind of, you know, being thrown into the deep end. It's like, right, here's, here's a problem. Go and solve it. You're just like racking your brain going, right, how? How am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. I'm rubbish. <laughs> and I think the best way to get rid of it is just to knuckle down and do your best. Just give it a solid shot. I feel like it's an odd one because it's somewhat, the syndrome itself is somewhat paradoxical. Like if you think that you're not good enough, you shouldn't be listening to your own opinion. <laughs> you should be listening sense. to the opinion of people around you, right? So. If other people are telling you that you're good, then you should take that on board. I love that. Yeah. So don't listen to that inner critic. No, so that's what exactly what it is. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's the amount of imposter syndrome is healthy. I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday. And they're like, having a certain amount of imposter syndrome is kind of empowering because it kind of mm. it makes you check yourself and go, right, what can I what can I do better? Yeah, I think the imposter syndrome leads to, like you say, that reality check and mm. it doesn't, doesn't mean you're not brilliant at what you do it just means yeah it just keeps you grounded so what advice would you this i guess we've uh, we've had aliens we've had all kinds of uh, backs and forth on this pod so what you go back in time in your delorean and you meet your teenage self if you could go back what advice would you give teenage sid <laughs> i think as we've learned from one of my previous answers i'd go back and tell myself that vfx is a viable job <laughs> concentrate on that yeah yeah Hidden also career. i'll probably go back how old am i in this scenario let's say you're 13 14 ah, right then i guess i'd drop in one other nugget of advice sid you're gay and everything's gonna be fine <laughs> it's gonna be all right it's gonna work out you got this yeah <laughs> brilliant i think that's absolutely fair and i would also well, the next question actually is very similar it's uh, what what do you wish you'd known before you started out or when you were starting out oh, okay um what i didn't know is how how projects actually got executed like in my head like you know never been inside a vfx house right but after graduating university yeah. you just you see places like the mill npc glassworks whoever like just knocking out all of this absolutely incredible work but you don't have any idea about the process that goes mm. on behind it and in my head it was like oh right you know brief a brief will kind of float into the building it'll get flawlessly executed and then out the other side comes this beautiful piece of work it's yeah. not like that it's absolutely not like that it's like doing vfx is like a battle yeah. it's like it's a struggle it's hard you end up having to compromise or you end up needing to kind of work with a, a client and usually in like a really constrained amount of time because there's, there's never enough time on projects yeah. It's yeah, it's 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 a constant battle. It's a struggle. It is hard work. Mm. It's not. It doesn't just kind of float in and then leave a couple of months later. It is. It's hard. That's that's very cool, and that speaks to a lot of the things we've talked about as part of Access VFX. Is that kind of almost there's that missing link, isn't there? You have education, then you have industry, and working in in a, in a in a in a VFX studio, post house, and then in the middle, it's like you know, where's the 
there's no connector between industry and I mean I know like you said earlier with Escape Studios for example yes you know the mill would come in and give a brief or Deneg would come in and give a brief but there's something yeah. about being in the studio working through problems adopting not just your technical ability that you would have learned at university but those those professional skills of collaborating and recognizing that your idea yes. may not be the most creative and exciting idea in the room you know exactly it's exactly that you know you get institutions you get taught how to do the vfx part but what you don't you don't ever peek behind the curtain and actually see what it's like in a real studio with real clients yeah. with real directors doing real jobs that is yeah. only something that really comes with experience now, funny enough first what gin name checked on episode one of the podcast was uh, when we talked about uh, the, what we could do more of an industry and it's almost giving access to, to aspiring talent to sets and shoots and and yeah, just the, yeah, room, yeah, the yeah. rooms where these conversations happen and uh you know it'd be so valuable so that's a really really great piece of uh, advice you wish you'd known before you started out but clearly you, you know you know today Sid I think I know the answer to this question but what uh, what time in your career did you learn the most and why <laughs> I won't say the other jobs that I've mentioned Sky and Chemical Brothers obviously yeah okay. two good examples of that there was this one there was this one time probably about eight years ago where we got a brief in to do this Audi commercial but it was stereoscopic and you know stereo in 3D it was like a big thing for a while yeah maybe around that around that time I'd done a tiny little bit of work on a stereo project for someone else the scheduling team asked me to lead this one and it was the first major project that I'd, I'd led I think and I didn't know anything about how to do jobs in in stereo and I think that I was terrified. I was I properly the imposter syndrome properly kicked in around that time. And I I didn't know I didn't know how on earth to execute this and do it right. I knew that if it was done badly, it would be horrible to watch. So I wanted to I really wanted to get it right. So I, I, I ended up spending weeks and weeks and weeks with just my head in textbooks yeah. trying to learn about how to shoot all of this stuff correctly, the principles of stereography, and just yeah, how how to manage that aspect of the shoot as well so that that was tough that was and if i've really felt like there was a lot of pressure as well because you know ultimately if it didn't look if it didn't feel comfortable and it didn't look nice then we would have done our job really bad but that was hard. brilliant that's what i learned a lot during those three months when we did that it was a fully cg job apart from there was like a, a live action character um so that was that was tough that's a big one that's a big one and and yeah it goes back to what you're saying about just getting your head down and like you say finished is better than perfect just get the get the work get in the get in the textbooks get you know and 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 learn so we're going to move into uh what i'm calling the big three now the big the final three questions which really start speaking to us as, as an industry and uh the first part of that hat trick of questions is what would you change about the visual effects industry the vfx or animation oh. industry I think there's an argument to make the visual effects industry less London-centric. So for the same reasons that I was saying earlier, how I was at Escape and how they brought us in, that they paid us minimum wage, because obviously like living in London is expensive. I think if you if you remove London from the equation and you kind of spread the industry out a little bit more across the country, I think mm. that would do a world of good. And you, I think just by doing that, that would help diversity I think there's a lot of people that come from like poorer backgrounds that can't that find you know living living in London prohibitively expensive. Yeah, making it less London centric, I think, would probably be a good thing. And it feels like that's probably gonna it's slowly gonna start to happen now with remote working being 
of my ability. Yeah, and we're seeing more studios, you know, open up, uh, ge- you know, with more of a geographical spread. You know, I mean, with what the, the farm did in in, in Manchester, and yeah. there's lots of you know smaller boutiques opening up all over the country. There's a hu- there's a huge revolution happening in Stoke-on-Trent, you know, and, and the work uh, that Dan Waterman and and, and Carson Waterman are leading over there. So yeah, there's definitely beginning, but I completely agree with you. I think it is Great. super prohibitive, prohibitive for talent and. Mm. And and there's talent out there. And there's talent. When we did our tour of the country yeah. in 2018, we went all over. And there's talent all of all ages out there. May or may not be able to, you know, do do the commute even for the interview. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you know, I know, like you say, it's all it's all remote these days. So there's definitely a lot to play for as well in the mm, post pandemic yeah. world we're in. Brilliant. That's a great answer. Thank you, Sid. The next question is what we call the industry advice question. What thing can we do as a step forward to a more inclusive and diverse? industry yeah i think just pushing things out of out out of london will just make things immediately more diverse brilliant um, brilliant yeah they go hand in hand i completely agree <laughs> yeah i think that's the best answer i can give on that one <laughs> take it i'll take it and the final question which we always like to finish any any good panel discussion on as well or any good careers event is what's your nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the industry i think if you can't find any good opportunity then make one I think I think I was talking to you about this before I had someone on LinkedIn contact me well a couple of years ago he just graduated from university and was like hey I just wanted to get in touch I'm accepting my connection request here's I've just graduated here's my showreel did this short film blah 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 can I take you out for lunch sometime I'm going to be in London on this date and I was like wow <laughs> that, that's ballsy <laughs> and sadly I couldn't make it but I replied and I was like that yeah. bold really good carry on doing that because you're yeah, going to do it. just fine if you do <laughs> you um, got my attention exactly yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. brilliant okay yeah, yeah. that's that yeah. yeah just just put it out there i completely agree yeah it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about being gregarious um, <laughs> when we talked about um the, the, the opposite of shy be the opposite of shy the i think that's important so sit that we're going to close the vault now but i want to say uh, a huge thank you for for stepping up and doing being on the pod said you've been a brilliant brilliant guest and yeah i'm sure we'll see you again another another careers event soon thank you so much it's lots to take away there and yeah i i've really enjoyed it so thank you sid no thank you Well, that was episode four, season two of the Access VFX podcast. We very much hope you enjoyed it. What a wonderful conversation we had with Sid. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in visual effects animation or games. Go to www.accessfearfx.org forward slash mentors and go and change someone's life. Thank you to Sid for being such a generous guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And most importantly, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we speak to another incredible guest. Thank you.